Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the one-a-day podcast where we sit back and watch a bar fight unfold. This is page 578. He smiled a wide, insincere smile through his thick black beard and stuck his hand out in Tempe's direction. Hello there, he said loud enough for everyone in the bar to hear. My name's Tam. Yosef? Tempe reached out and shook, his own hand looking small and pale, gripped in the other man's huge, hairy one. Tempe. Tam grinned at him. And what are you doing in town? We're just passing through, I said. We met up on the road, and he was nice enough to walk with me. Tam looked me up and down dismissively. I wasn't talking to you, boy, he growled. Mind your betters. Tempe remained silent, watching the big man with the same placid, attentive expression he always wore. I watched his left hand come up to his ear in a gesture I didn't recognize. Tam took a drink, watching Tempe all the while. When he lowered his mug, the dark hair around his mouth was wet, and he wiped his forearm across his face to try it. I've always won it, he said, loud enough for it to carry through the whole room. You aid him. How much does one of your fancy lads make? Tempe turned to look at me, his head tilted slightly to one side. I realized he probably couldn't understand the man's thick accent. He wants to know how much money you earn, I explained. Tempe made a wavering motion with one hand. Complicated? Tam leaned over the table. What if you were hired to guard a caravan? How much would he charge a day? Two jots, Tempe shrugged. Three? Tam gave a showy laugh, loud enough that I could smell his breath. I'd expected it to stink, but it didn't. It smelled like cider, sweet with mulling spices. You hear that, boys? He shouted over his shoulder. Three jots a day and he kinda hardly talk. Most everyone was already watching and listening, and this piece of information brought a low, irritated murmur from the room. Tam turned back to the table. Most of us get a penny a day when we get work at all. I get two because I'm good with horses and can lift up the back of a wagon if I need to. He rolled his broad shoulders. Are you worth 20 men in a fight? I don't know how much of it Tempe understood, but he seemed to follow the last question fairly well. Twenty. He looked around appraisingly. No. Four. He waved his spread hand back and forth uncertainly. Five. This did nothing to improve the atmosphere in the room. Tam shook his. Oh, I hope what he shook was polite because the page is over. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And somehow, given what we have seen of Tam thus far, I doubt that whatever he shook was polite. I know you can shake a lot of polite things in an in an unseemly manner. I could shake my fist at you, and that would be that would be a, a fine thing, but it, it could still be threatening. Hmm. This is a fun scene. I've uh, read ahead a little bit because this this really tickled my fancy, and this whole scene is really fun for me. Uh, it is a lead up to a very brief action scene, but it's a great ratcheting up of the tension, and uh, Tempe's uh, unconcern is really fun because, much like Quoth, we, the audience, are not sure... If Tempe is unconcerned because he's in control of the situation, or if he's unconcerned because he doesn't understand the danger he's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have said basically everything I wanted to say about this page. Uh, and in terms of like Tempe's characterization, I kind of think it's a little bit of both. Like I think Tempe is very confident in his ability to fight and win a fight, as well he should be. But I also think that Tempe does not quite understand the nuance of what's going on. And as Quoth says, this guy also has a thick accent. So Tempe can't quite understand what he's saying, which 
it both it's both comical and it's hair raising, right? Because every time Tempe responds to this guy in a kind of flippant way, we as the reader are thinking, "Oh shit, this is what's going to set the guy off. This is what's going to start the fight." Because we all know that a fight is coming. Like this guy did not sit down at this table for any other reason than to pick yeah, a you fight. Can, you can smell it in the air. <laughs> exactly. So all that is left for us is to like try and you know, anticipate when the fight will actually break out and what's going to do it. And that is, as Nick said, masterful tension raising. Yeah, this is the kind of page that I feel like you read it, but like you want to like read it really fast because you want to get to the fun thing, but it's also like, it is the fun thing. Like you Mm -hmm. read it really fast because it's fun, but also because you want to get to what it's leading up to. Yeah. And like, this is a kind of scene that you have seen a thousand times before, you know, like a tough guy goes into a bar and a guy who thinks he's a tougher guy tries to pick a fight with the tough guy, not knowing what he's getting himself into until his ass is on the ground. But that is complicated by the fact that like Tempe is not behaving like your typical, you know, your Clint Eastwood types. He's not behaving like your typical tough guys because that's a like not the kind of person he is and it's also like there's that issue of like cultural unfamiliarity that just gives the scene a slightly different flavor it also feels like tempe is more polite yes yeah he's polite and he has nothing to prove which is kind of refreshing like you you're used to all this bravado in these action scenes you're used to tough guys who know how to handle themselves in a fight saying things like walk away son i don't want to hurt you but tempe is utterly in control of himself and of the situation. And he is very confident so much so that he has nothing to prove to this guy. He's just like, yes. Okay. Yes. I'm worth five of you. Oh yes. There's no problem. <laughs> but he also like, he also has he, no concern for their personal safety because he's like, you're willing to risk it, risk it, whatever. Yeah. Well, and in Adam culture, I think as we'll learn like this kind of challenge, this kind of like challenging someone to a fight in a bar is like not uncommon, but it's also not as like, nasty as this guy is making it yeah it's it not as personal in adam culture it feels like or like it's personal in a more respectful way mm-hmm. well, well, th- yeah they they spar certainly uh there's a great line coming up where tempe looks to quoth and he says this is the first kind of this fight i've had am i doing it right yeah 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 um, which i find quite charming mm-hmm. well and it tells you that he's had lots of fights and he's like not completely unex like he's not completely surprised to like have a guy challenge him to a fight in a bar. But I think that he's not totally grasping the social context in which that's taking place, right? This is sort of an ignorance is bliss situation. Yeah, I think that until the fight actually starts, until a little bit later, he's not totally sure that he's actually being threatened. Yeah. But it's hard to tell with Tempe, right? He might just be cool under pressure. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a little bit of column A and column B, but the sense that I get is also that like, you know, fighting in like a relaxed social setting might be like the Adam equivalent of like shooting pool at the bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Competitive, but not, not lethal, not aggressive, right? Like, yeah, we're having like a friendly sparring fight, you know, no, no big deal. And you can also, I think in a Demra, you can assume that if someone challenges you to a fight at a bar, it's because they're probably like good enough. that They think that they can take you on without getting seriously hurt. And so I think that if Tempe knew that this guy was just like some some shit kicker, he maybe wouldn't behave the same way. I I forget exactly how the scene goes, but I kind of feel like he might feel a little bit bad for whipping his ass so thoroughly because like that guy didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, we'll 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 get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tempe definitely 
Well, while he doesn't literally pull his punches, he definitely uh, he, he doesn't go as up. hard as I think he could have. Exactly. I don't think that the I I, I want to push back on the idea that the Adam have bar fights. Like they definitely spar, but I I don't think that there's any suggestion that they like use violence like serious violence on one another or that they pick fights in this way no but what i'm suggesting is that they do like pick fights in a friendly sporting way like hey would you care to test your skills against mine in this friendly social setting you know yeah yeah that and that that's a clear yes but i just want to make sure we're not misunderstood i don't want any angry letters only letters telling us how good we are like yesterday's letter that was yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah. But which yesterday, Jordana? Which yesterday? I mean, the very last, I mean, literally, like, the last, the last episode. The most recent episode. that All our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. What? Out, out, brief candle. Oh. <laughs> Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. I will strut and fret my way to the next page if you two don't have a letter for me. We do have a letter, and it's relevant. This is from Desert Dry, who writes on page 550, discussion on the Katan. In this series, a demic fighting style is most closely paralleled by Tai Chi for me. Fundamentally, Tai Chi is an art form for health. In quotes, for health. You may be able to teach yourself the moves through videos or books, but it's not Tai Chi. Tai Chi requires an ongoing relationship between a master and a student. So Quoth, mimicking Tempe, is a demonstration of his interest in the fighting style that the Adam practice. Like the trope of the eager initiate standing outside of a door for three days, hoping to be let in, or just given water. What would Quoth do if Tempe did not share Adamic Ketan? Would Quoth run out of water? Would Quoth starve from lack of cultural initiation? Would Quoth end up bleeding out from the lack of fighting skills? Could Quoth have learned fighting skills from someone else, such as Dayden? Since Tempe is not directly instructing Quoth, is Tempe committing a fallacy? But then, if so much of Edemic cultural relationships are composed of silence, is Tempe's silence actually non-instruction? Can Adam be silent, or are they always talking without speaking? The lines are very much blurred. Hashtag, Tempe did nothing wrong? How long have Adam communicated through hand signals? Thousands of years? Do the Adam communicate also through pheromones or other kinds of telepathic signaling, like weekways from Jabba's Palace? Less is more, in my experience. However, less is more relies on a more base level of socially acceptable conduct and behavior, which parties can use to extrapolate meaning. Adam must be keen to the extrapolation of meaning from behaviors and symbols. Also, social expectations are what politics and governments try to stabilize for humanity. Adam must have a firm and unflappable grasp on politics to have an effective language so silent. Fun sidebar. Most Tai Chi moves have names. Tai Chi Gung, translated as Tai Chi for Health, tells a Chinese creation story. Roughly translated, so first I'm going to read the story, then I'll read the, the moves. From clouds, she wove, heaven and earth, then conquering tiger, parted wild horse's mane, brushing its knee, twin mountain peaks, gather up and cross, pushing to the end. And the moves are cloud hands, fair maiden weaving at the loom, heaven and earth, striking tiger slash conquering tiger, part the wild horse's mane, brush the knee, twin mountains, gather up and cross hands, push hands. Uh, there's a video linked here, which I'll, I'll post in the notes. Look at the instructor. He's trying to say things, but words are just too nonspecific. So he remains silent, but poised, hoping that the listener will extrapolate the meanings. He vocalizes the simple things as to a child. What isn't he vocalizing? 
over 50 years of training, understanding, and mistakes? Or does the master not know? Do you see how the moves get adjusted to fit the performer's body limits and comfort level? Before the mainstream use for health, adjustments to the moves used to never happen. My old instructor, Master Larry, made two adjustments in my short two or three years studying. Though the changes are slight, a tilted hand here and raised or lowered hand there, they are vocalized as though they are of a paramount importance. Finally, what creation story are we missing? Does Patrick Rothfuss name the moves in order to make a story as above? This practice, being something I have developed reverence for in my own life, I cannot dismiss the importance of the message of the Ketan. What is it trying to say? What is its story? May your trails be winding and crooked, signed Desert Dry. Thank okay, you so I've got much a crackpot. Oh, well. Go Based on. on this letter. So, if, like Nick was saying the other day, the Adem and the Edmura are like two branches of the same tree, and the Adem were like, no, we're not going to do that music thing, maybe the story that it's telling is that of the Chandrian, and it's the safest way to tell it because it's without sound so they can't hear it Mm, that's pretty tight that's a good crackpot theory thank you we do get a uh a sort of creation story eventually we get the story of the the first adamic archer the one who who is sort of like the buddha figure who dictates the lathani uh and that that arguably is also a uh a allegory for the cultural split or for a cultural split but we'll get to it there's a lot to, to examine in this letter. Thank you for uh, for your thoughtful uh, and thought-provoking input, Desert. Uh, I really love the realization that Tai Chi moves have names and that they tell a story. That's a really interesting mm-hmm. and like exciting revelation to me. Uh, I do want to answer one of the questions you posed early on in the letter, which is, you know, what would Quoth have done if he had not been able to get an in with the Adem? Uh, I almost wonder if he would have like not not, not given up on fighting, but I feel like uh, part of he goes to the Adem because there's a Chandrian lead there, but I think he also wants to learn from the best all the time. And I think I mentioned something like this on a previous episode. Like he always goes to the very best place he can get instruction on whatever it is he's looking for. So I almost feel like he wouldn't have bothered going to Dayton for fighting training he would have only stuck it out to get the very best available so even if the Aiden weren't available he would have gone to like i don't know dagon or something he would have gone to like a great fencing master or something like that yeah he would have gone to uh, inigo montoya mm. i also think that i agree that both would find a way where there's a will there's a way and all that mm-hmm. and we'll find a way to end this episode and return tomorrow for another page of the Way. Way.